Welcome to A Walk In My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, Makini Smith. Today's guest is an actress, a filmmaker, and a mental health advocate. Please welcome to the show, Stacey Ann Buchanan. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for being on the show. Honestly, you've been doing some amazing, amazing things um, over the last few years that I've been able to watch you. And I love watching your evolution and how you're sharing and inspiring through your journey. It's, it's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. So I like to start the show with a question. Um the same question for every woman, because we all have all these titles that we go by. But, you know, to me, one of our most important titles is our name, because we're called it every single day. So my yes. question to you is, do you know what your name means? You know, my name, Stacy, uh, it derives from Anastasia. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, apparently a Greek name. But I, I like to say I'm, I'm Stacey Ann. My dad named me Stacey Ann. And back in the 80s in Jamaica, it's a super popular name. And I, you know, <laughs> it's funny. I, don't, I think it just means, um, as my dad would like to say, you're just a little bit stubborn. You just go after what you want. So mm -hmm. I'll, I'll go with that. He <laughs> named me, so I'll go after that. I won't go for like the Greek meaning. I'll, I'll go for what my dad named me. So Okay, okay. Um... Well, I accept that. You know, it's funny. I tell people all the time. I grew up with my parents telling me that Mikini meant beautiful one. And um, it wasn't until in my later 30s where I started to do some deeper research and realized that it's actually Swahili for strength of character. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, <laughs> completely different. But, you know, um, yeah. so um, I had actually looked up um, Stacy. And mm -hmm. you're, yes, you're correct. Um, it derived from Anastasia, Anastasia. Um, yeah. meaning resurrection for girls. Ooh, mm. I like that. Well, both of them are great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay. So my my first, um, I'm gonna say, real question. Um, you know, I've, like I said, I've watched your journey and I know that you've had to overcome a lot to get to where you are. So I wanted to kind of start with that. Um, you know, what adversities have you had to overcome in your career that taught you a major lesson in life? Um, there's been uh, several that I had to overcome, but I think, I think the main thing that I've learned in life is is really and truly not to give up and and everything that you want is so attainable mm -hmm. as long as you definitely put in the work for it you faith it until you make it mm -hmm. and um you know in life whatever obstacles come your way it's really not against you it's really for you it doesn't happen to you it happens for you because it then molds you into the woman you're supposed to be and i think once i change and have that perspective in life it's become a lot easier. So obstacles to me, it's just like, okay, I'm just one step closer to this goal. Right. I wouldn't be getting this fight if I wasn't closest to my goal. Right. So, yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay. So um, you created a documentary. It's called yeah. The Blind Stigma. And that was yeah. your debut uh, as a filmmaker. 
Yes. So can you share what that's about and what inspired you to create the film? Okay, so The Blind Stigma is a documentary that talks about mental health within the Black community. And and um, the basis of it is my own personal journey with with depression and anxiety in the past. And I I struggled with that because... This happened to me in 2011, and in 2011, I was so ignorant. I've never heard of a, a Black person talking about anxiety or talking about depression. It's like something that we never go through. We don't mm-hmm. talk about it. If we go through it, we never share it. And so when I was struggling with, with this, I struggled by myself, and the only person that I felt safe to talk to about it was my father because I have a very close relationship with my father. And my father's response to what I was going through was to drink some tea and read my Bible and pray about it and everything will be fine. But I wasn't getting better. I kept on getting worse. And to make a long story short, after I got through my depression and my anxiety, I decided that, you know what, I want to make, I want to write a book about my struggles. I want to write a book about how I'm here today when I know I wasn't supposed to be here because I, I was plagued with suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. But then I said, you know what, I'm more of a visual person and more artistic. So I'm going to create a, a film and I'm not going to make it just about me. I'm going to make it about other people that have struggled too. So I, I took a year and I did some intensive research behind the scenes. And I, I found other black women and black men that were struggling with mental illness as well and reached out to them. It was hard finding a black man to come on camera. It's easy to talk mm-hmm. about it, but to come on camera and share your struggles was really hard. Mm-hmm. But I found one guy that was open and brave and bold to do it. And then I found other women that struggled. And I made sure that the struggles that were depicted in the documentary were all different. Everyone struggled with something different. So it can be relatable to everyone in the community. Right. And then I also um, made sure that I had the opinions from the pastor, from the church, because there's so many times when we talk about being depressed or or being down or having anxiety, the first thing to do is to refer to the church or go to the church and pray about it. And so I wanted to get um, my pastor's opinion on it and definitely take it to a psychologist because there's so many times that we're so quick to go to the doctor for a physical illness, but we're not quick to go to a doctor for a mind. Right. So I wanted to make sure I cover those bases and also get the opinions of people in the streets of Toronto and then also have my father be a part of the documentary as well. So I called it the blind stigma because it's uh, it's for everyone that's turned the blind eye to mental illness. And it's for your father, my father, your uncle, everybody that's purposely turned a blind eye. Right. So, yeah, that was a little bit windy talking about that. But <laughs> I think I'm trying to I think I'm trying to group it all into I think I'm trying to group it really um, fast. But um the film is, is pretty much my experiences and definitely wanted to, to, to advocate for mental health within the Black community and let people know that they're definitely, definitely not alone. I um, love that you've, you've um, purposely chosen different perspectives on mental health yes. in the Black community, you know, male, female, the church, psychologists, um, you know, it's not a, a one-sided perspective. No. Um, and I think we have a lot to learn from all the different perspectives. So I, I guess on that angle, what did you uh, learn that the church's perspective is on, on mental health? Well, what my pastor, um, what he said in the documentary was he said that if he gets a case that is really severe and he knows this is beyond his control, this is beyond prayer, this is beyond meditation, this is beyond 
just readings from the Bible, then he will refer that person to a psychologist. And I was really proud and really happy to hear him say that mm-hmm. because um, because because mental illness is, is a is a is a within the black community is this veil that we wear. It's this veil of shame, mm-hmm. and nobody talks about it. And it's this big elephant in the room that nobody addresses. And it's a silent killer for the most part. What we do is we keep brushing it under the rug. We keep sweeping it under the rug, and we don't talk about it. So to hear him say, "No, I will refer them." a psychologist because that is beyond my control now that it was really that was really impressive to hear i i agree with you on that because i mean i grew up um you know anytime you heard of anyone with mental health in the black community you know they were crazy or the term they use is mod um Mm -hmm. so you know there was this negative uh stigma towards them and then as i got older and i started to learn more about mental health you know it's it's not a color thing um, no, I learned a lot, especially having family members. I had a family member who um, was diagnosed with being bipolar and it was, you know, her parents wanted to keep it a secret and she ended up committing suicide because she was struggling on her own. Yeah. Uh, I have another family member who was struggling with severe depression and anxiety and she had a suicide attempt and was in hospital last summer. So I, I know that it's... Yeah. It's something that we can't hide from. We need to address it. So from the psychologist's perspective, um, what did you learn while creating the film? Oh, I learned so much. We talked about, as a Black man and a Black woman, how we are conditioned to be strong. Mm-hmm. So conditioned to be strong that we don't know that being strong is ask, actually asking for help. Yes. How the black woman, we have to have everything together. We can't have anything fall apart. God forbid we do fall apart and we're looked upon as angry black women because mm-hmm. we're expressing their emotions. So we're supposed to keep that under, under tact. The black man, he can't express anything because then his friends are going to look at him as soft or he's going to yeah. be called what feminine names because he's expressing his thoughts. And how much she taught me too. She's like, it's a silent killer within the black community. Mm-hmm. And it's a silent killer because we don't talk about it, right? We're not supposed to talk about it. It doesn't happen to us. And the funny thing is I came across this clip on, on Instagram a couple of days ago. Um, it was from The Breakfast Club. And there is this uh, psychologist in, I think she was in New York, and she referred, she went all the way back and referred to back in the slavery days, how we're not supposed to complain. And there's so many things that we're going through. We just hush, hush and keep it amongst ourselves. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it's generational. Yeah, you know, it's this yeah. generational trauma that has traveled, and I was like, "Wow!" If I was to do a part two, wow, wow, yeah. wow, wow. And I'm yeah. I'm sure you've you've learned so much since that you uh, you probably have enough material to do a part two at this point. Yeah, I've learned that this my, my film just basically scratched the surface. There's so much more deeper that this film can go, and and I'm so glad that it 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 is it has created and sparked a conversation. And it's sparked events, it's sparked um, groups. So many people have been coming out since this film was released in 2015. I've been talking more about it. And I always say to people, like, whenever I do public speeches or talk about my journey, I always say, what do you think a person who lives with mental illness looks like? They look Mm -hmm. like me. Because we're so conditioned to think they're haggard, they're homeless, they Mm -hmm. they look, quote, unquote, crazy, you know? They look just like me. And that always gets the audience to be like, oh, Mm-hmm. just like you and me you know so yeah. and i'm and i'm very bold and i'm not ashamed 
to talk about my my previous struggles and to talk about how I maintain my mental health. I would never be ashamed of that because if my post can save one person or help and heal one person, then I'm good. You know? Yes, yes. I am, um, you know, I love what you said about asking for help, because I've definitely learned that asking for help does not mean that you're weak. It means that you want to remain strong. Exactly. Um, I had a client this week that I was meeting with and, you know, she's ready to change her life. She's been dealing with a lot of struggles that are now causing, um, you know, a lot of uh, mental and emotional issues. And she said she's tired of being known for being strong. Like she's exhausted. And even for her to ask for help, she said, this is, this is not something I know how to do. This is not something I'm comfortable with doing. So, you know, I was so proud of her for even mm-hmm. making that, that first step to ask for help. So I, I mean, did you, did you ever think that you'd be known as a mental health advocate? Absolutely not. I wanted to be as famous as Halle Berry. <laughs> we share the same birthday. So I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to be a famous actress. I want to go to Hollywood. I want to have fame and fortune. And that's all I wanted. That's all I knew. And I think looking back, this is probably just going to, it's a little bit, not a little bit off topic, but I spoke to my dad about it and my dad would be like, you know, maybe the reason why you didn't get all those things was because you wanted it for superficial reasons. Mm-hmm. When you're walking in your purpose and you're doing things from your heart and you're doing things that you're destined to do and you're doing things that God has called you to do, mm-hmm. it puts you on a whole nother level. I agree. And I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Oftentimes, you know, sometimes the things that we want um, are not the things that God wants for us or that he has exactly. in store for us. And we exactly. get upset when, when we don't get things our way, not realizing that there may be a bigger, better way for us, but we're so focused on the way that we wanted that we're missing Mm -hmm. out on the greatness that's in store for us. Absolutely. So I guess, how how has being transparent about your mental health journey changed your life? Um, It has made me more bold. It has made me more comfortable and more confident in my work and in everything that I do, because it's no longer a secret that was that was slowly killing me on the inside, or mm-hmm. a secret that I felt that I needed to to cover up. It's something that I've I've put out there, and it's like I always describe it as like when I was younger, I used to get teased all the time for having this big forehead, and I used to go home crying all the time, and that's what the kids wanted. They wanted to tease me, and then I'll go home crying. And it was one day I looked at my forehead, and I'm like, you know what? It is actually big. But I'm going to own this big forehead. It's mine. So I'm just going to own it. Like, what, else, what, else, what else am I going to do? I'm just going to own this big forehead of yeah, mine. Yes, and the yes. moment I own that, the kids, the teasing stop because like now I've owned it. So it's like yes. my story no longer controlled me or my yes. shame didn't control me. Yes. I've now taken my shame away and made it into my story. And my story is my true power. And yes. that's how I reclaim my power. And it's like nothing anyone can say to me will ever destroy me mentally or like you know what I'm saying emotionally yeah, because yeah, I've yeah. owned every single thing that happened to me and I'm very proud of it so coming out has just made it's just made me super confident and comfortable and, and bold and brave I, I I love that and the only reason why I chuckle when you talk about your big forehead is because I grew up thinking that my lips were huge um you know <laughs> I used to be so embarrassed of, and it's on my face I can't hide it 
and yeah. <laughs> I tried wearing uh, red lipstick earlier in life and I was like okay now I'm accentuating this and I felt awkward I felt like the whole world was staring at my lips and now at 38 years old I love my lips I think they're the perfect size for my face I I love them I wear red lipstick you know to accentuate them um good for you thank you people going get surgery to have lips like yours <laughs> exactly <laughs> people are paying for lips like mine I got exactly. them for free baby <laughs> exactly <laughs> But you, you know, you were talking about, um, you know, no longer feeling ashamed. And um, I was reading a book a few years back by Dr. Brene Brown, and she talked about shame loves secrecy. And Mm. it helped me be more like I I always felt I was very open about my experiences to the point where some people are like, did you just say that out loud? Um, I'm like, yeah, I did. But learning through reading um, her book and following her stuff is, you know, shame loves secrecy and there's a lot of cultures especially in the black community where we hide things behind closed doors or you know sweep things under a rug because we don't want anybody to know and then we live in shame and everything that we do going forward and all the results in our life reflect that because we're Mm -hmm. so busy trying to hide stuff Mm -hmm. but once you bring those things out into the open nobody can shame you for them no one and you know what too about that shame too mckinney it also goes into generational shame Yes. Because that's how your grandparents were, your great-grandparents were, so you have to be that way too. So you always have to continue the cycle of shame. Yes. Yeah. I I was talking to someone about um, how things work in their culture, and they said basically they are so conditioned to be ashamed of, you know, some of the circumstances um, within life, whether you have, you know, uh, your, your children, you know, if they have more than one father it's a big family secret and you have to pretend that all the children are from one father or if you know whatever this and it's it becomes this lie that they grow all the way until they pass and it's like family generation through generation are carrying these lies and they're conditioned to lie about their circumstances because they're ashamed of it Mm. i'm like Wow. wow you know i can only think of the impact that it has on their kids and them having to feel ashamed of who they actually are as human beings and not knowing the truth about who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some, some of these children don't even know who their real mother or father is because they've been lied to their entire life. Wow. And, but it's a family secret where everybody knows like it's hush, you know, that's not really her mom. That's actually her aunt or that's actually her grandmother or that's. Yes. I've heard, I've heard stories about that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I guess I want to ask, and I, I, I know from personal experience that the more that I've been open about my experiences, the more doors that have been able to open for me um, and allowed me to actually help other people more. So my question to you is, you know, how has creating this film and being open about your story opened doors for you to give back more and to serve more? Um, I never, if someone had told me you're going to share, you're going to write about or make a film about your experiences and that doors would open for you, doors that you've dreamt of when you wanted to be an actress will open for you. I wouldn't believe that at all. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly, that's exactly what happened because now I was walking in my purpose and the term mental health advocate was not something that I gave myself, it was something that the community gave me. Right. Because I was I was brave and I was bold enough and, and not ashamed to share my stories. And 
I find that I was speaking at universities, colleges, um, workplaces. I was going over overseas in the U.S. and in the Caribbean, um, showcasing my film and talking about my journey. I was hired by CAMH, and CAMH is the Center for Addiction and Mental Health uh, and Drug Addiction in Canada. It's a huge, it's a huge um, facility here in Canada, and I was hired for them for a term, and I was going around to different community health centers, and I was talking about the stigma and the shame <clears throat> about mental illness just within, just by working with CAMH. I've done so many TV interviews and radio interviews and magazine interviews just based off being a mental health advocate and sharing my stories. And I would not have dreamt that all these doors and all these opportunities would be happening to me. And this is the thing I, I find in life. When, you, when you're finally walking in your purpose and you're doing things from the heart, you're not yes. doing this for recognition, you're not doing this for money, you're not doing this for fame, you're just doing this straight from your heart. Doors that you thought were impossible will just start mm -hmm. opening and the doors are going to open up one by one by one. And it's just going to lead into a bigger room, a bigger platform. And you're not going to believe everything that's coming. That's why I always say to people, like, be prepared because when your blessings are ready to come, they're mm -hmm. just going to come pouring in. <laughs> and I found myself speaking at high schools and, and then uh, creating and even even um, elementary schools and then creating workshops and, and programs around mental wellness and so many opportunities have come from this because it's something that I I truly 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 love I love this I love doing this work I love sharing I love I love researching and learning more I love doing this work about mental mental health I love it so much uh yeah <laughs> I, I I love to hear all that and I I agree with you I've I've definitely uh, watched doors fly open, windows fly open um, for you and myself just from being transparent about our story. So if there's anyone listening that is ashamed of their story or holding on or, you know, wondering what they should do, share your story. Your story is not just for you. It's, it's not just for you. And not... your story could save a life. Exactly. You have no idea what you've been through, how you can save someone else's life. It is not for you. We're all put here to serve. Exactly. And as long as we all know that, and by sharing your story, you, you are serving in some capacity. So never be ashamed. Never, ever be ashamed. That is your power. When you're ashamed, you're locking away your power and you're stripping yourself of your own power. Be bold and be like, okay, this happened to me, but look at me now. Speaking of being bold, <laughs> um, congrats on being a TED Talk speaker. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so can you share what that topic was and, and what that experience was like? Oh, my God. So that happened to me in 2017 last year, and I put on my vision board that that's all I wanted to accomplish that year professionally. Everything else that I wanted to accomplish uh, last year was about uh, growth, mm -hmm. and it was, was about self-growth, like uh, self-love, self-appreciation, self-care. I wanted to master all of that. I wanted to travel. I wanted to do a lot of personal things. Mm -hmm. and grow for myself and I said professionally I just want to be a TED talk speaker that's all I wanted and um I was nominated and when I when I won the nomination I was just like wow I couldn't believe this but I knew exactly what I wanted my talk to be I wanted it to be about turning your pain into power mm -hmm. because I truly believe your pain is your story and 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 that it's not that's like the climax of your story and that's what you need as your power so when I when I knew I had to do this TED Talk, I found myself researching a lot of TED Talks. And I was like, no, I can't research it because I don't want my talk 
to be like what I've researched. You mm-hmm. know, when you research a lot and you study a lot and then it influences your time, you. Yeah, you're, you're, you're greatly influenced by it. And I said, no, you know what? Who I'm going to study, this is the first time I'm sharing this, by the way. Who I'm going to study is the Honorable Miss Louise Bennett. She's mm-hmm. a great Jamaican performer from way back in the 60s, 70s, 80s. And I grew up loving her. And I actually met her a few years ago before she passed away. And um, our picture ended up on the cover of the Shared newspaper. And she saw me, saw me do a performance and she said, you're really, really good. And honestly, I probably wanted to faint because I was like, <laughs> this is coming from someone that I look up to. Like right. I really look up to. And so I started watching her performances. She's a poet. She's an actress, singer. And I started watching her performances and said, you know what? I, this is going to be my TED Talk, but I'm going to be a storyteller. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell a story. I'm not just going to talk. I'm going to tell a story. So I'm going to take it from the beginning, the grassroots, and then I'm going to grow, grow, grow. And I'm going to do my crash, and then I'm going to come back up, and I'm going to grow. And so I made sure that my talk revolved around a storytelling because when you tell a story, you get your audience really engaged. Yes. And this is where my acting came in. This is where all my acting training because I got I was training for theater and I was training for film. And this is where I the training came in. And it's not about having a facade or anything like that. It's just really taking the audience on a complete journey. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And it was I I was I was nervous. I was really, really nervous going into it um, and even preparing for it. But I said, you know what? I did my little prayer. I said my little prayer. I asked God to cover me. And it turned out to be one of the best talks for that segment. And I'm, and I'm very proud of myself. You know, yeah, as you should be. Like we can't say we can't, we're proud of ourselves because <laughs> then it, it makes us seem like you're a narcissist. But, you know, I am very, very, very proud of myself. That's one of my hugest accomplishments. And I'm, yeah. Yeah, I think as as women, um, again, we're conditioned to not celebrate our wins, no matter how big or how small they are. And I think that once we learn to celebrate our wins, and we'll be more grateful for them. And it's not, I don't see it as being narcissistic or, or, you know, bragging or whatever. It's you, if you're not proud of yourself, then why would you expect other people to be proud of you? Like, exactly, you should be your, your biggest fan. Exactly. I always say to you, you have to big up yourself because that's where it really starts. It's with you bigging up yourself. It's with you believing in yourself. That's the first step in order to go out there and just conquer anything. So, yeah. I mean, on on top of, you know, the the greatness that is happening for you, you do a lot of philanthropy work. You are very centered around giving back. So let's talk about the Buchanan Scholarship. How did that come about? Can you share yeah, so the Buchanan Scholarship, we started that this year, uh, last month, uh, between me and my brother. I started it uh, five years ago when I did my, um, my first Mystic Effect, and I, and I gave back, and I said, okay, you know what? I gave back to a charity, but I was like, I don't know where my money's going to directly, so I wanted to do something where I know where my money's going to directly, and I wanted to do something where every year I don't have to do um select a charity to give back to and mm-hmm. and let me recap the audience i do a show called the mystic effect um it's a show that fuses all the elements of art into one production so music poetry dance fashion and film and that was the start of my career in 2012 and then i was getting a buzz and people are like well, who is this stacy and where does she come from and i was frustrated because people didn't know 
I wanted to take my own life. And so um, my dad said, there are two things in life you cannot control, what people say about you and what people think about you. You can only control their rea- your reaction. So right. my reaction was creating the blind stigma. So that's a little backstory. But so I started this charity, uh, I started this scholarship. It was called the Stacey McKinnon Scholarship five years ago. And this year I sat down with my brother and I said, you know what? I want to go bigger because we have plans of creating community center back home in Jamaica in the next couple of years. So we have plans that we want to do. And I, I said, let's start the grass here in Canada. So let's combine because collaboration really is a new competition. Yeah. And I said, <laughs> why not double the scholarship, mm-hmm. double the scholarship amount. And not only, I don't want to make it just a Stacey and Buchanan scholarship. I want to make it the Buchanan scholarship because we are leaving a legacy. Right. I mean, my That's brother beautiful. always talk about that. I say legacy, he say dynasty, same thing. <laughs> but we're creating a legacy that we want for our children, for our grandkids, where we just want to we just want to leave a legacy, especially in honor of our grandparents that were so yes. phenomenal in our lives. And so we combined and so we created the Buchanan Scholarship and we had the first recipient, uh, Kendall. Uh, it was back in September, I think it was September 17th or 16th. And so that's something that we're going to do yearly from now on. And it's through the Jamaican Canadian Association. What I love about that is that I, we set the criteria of what the students should have in order to get the scholarship. And so we have no saying who gets it. Mm-hmm. So we just set the criteria out and then the Jamaican Canadian Association picks whoever they think first um, fits, fits our scholarship. Awesome. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know why. I, it's so yeah. <laughs> You're excited. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah. I get excited. <laughs> but that's good. That's good. <laughs> no, it's good. It, it means you love what you do, right? You're excited. It gets your I, adrenaline I going. I get so passionate. Yeah. I get so passionate about what I'm doing. Yeah. I love that. So um, I have a, a saying that I say all the time. Um, you know, I give thanks by giving. And you are a giver. Um, I've seen that. I've, I've always known that. So are there any other uh, philanthropy initiatives that you're currently working on that I'm missing from mentioning here? Currently right now? No, I mean, I do a little volunteer work here and there, but um, nothing right now because my schedule is super packed. Um, I'm working on this TV show and I work 14 hours a day. So mm-hmm. every yeah, pretty much 14 hours a day for every, every week. I only have the weekends off, so I basically barely have a life. <clears throat> so Fridays, I'll finish work at like 5 a.m. on a Saturday morning. And I find like I'm missing out on a lot of what's going on into the city. But I know I have a greater purpose that's happening. So you're not missing part, anything. I... You are exactly yeah. where you're supposed to be. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. So I, I just feel like I feel like I don't want to overextend myself. Right. Because the show takes up so much of my time already. And I'm super grateful super honored to be a part of this franchise and uh, yeah i i want to share what the show is are you allowed to talk about that or is that i think i can because i shared about it last year um people really follow me so i'm working on star trek uh discovery Mm -hmm. and uh yeah i'm standing in for the lead actress and it's such an honor and it's a great great show and you guys have to tune in it's a black lead (laughs) It's amazing. It's history. It is history being made. And I am so par- proud 
and grateful and honored to be a part of this show. So, yeah. I am so proud of you on so many levels, you know, for what you're doing as an Thank actress, you. a filmmaker, and in the mental health community, and the example that you are setting for other young Black girls of the image of, of Black women. I think it's beautiful. So before we move on to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell people where they can find you. Okay, you can find me on every kind of social media. You can find me on Twitter as Stacy and Buchanan, but it's S-T-A-C-Y-N, and then my last name, B-U-C-H-A-N-A-N. It couldn't fit all the letters in. <laughs> um, so um, Instagram, Stacy and Buchanan. Facebook, Stacy and Buchanan. LinkedIn, Stacy and Buchanan. I don't change my name for anything. So one name, and you can find me. You can Google it, and then everything will come up. Perfect, perfect. Okay, so um, it's no surprise that I'm obsessed with stilettos for many reasons. And I've said this on previous shows, you know, it's not about just the look of it. It's about, you know, it forces you to walk gracefully and purposefully and it elevates you. And there's a lot of uh, metaphors behind my obsession with stilettos. Uh, But I read, (laughs) I read an article that talked about what your favorite type of shoe says about your personality. Oh, okay. uh Uh-huh. So whether it's a high heel, a running shoe, a walking shoe, flip-flops, a work boot, wedge, pump, mules, whatever. Like, what is Stacey Ann Buchanan's favorite type of shoe? I love a (laughs) over-the-knee boot. (laughs) Sorry about that phone. (laughs) Okay. So uh, you like boots? I love boots. I love, love boots. Well, that means you take charge. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, the, the boot wearers take charge. Okay. That sounds like Stacey Ann. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So for the final segment, um, I call it a walk in her stilettos where we ask uh, just general questions for you to share inspiration from your walk. Okay. So I will ask you... If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) Anywhere, what would it say? Okay, it will say, it will say something along the lines that your story is your power. Mm. Own it. Mm. Yeah, that's what it would say. I love it. I love it. Okay. Thank you. Um, what's a little known fact about you? A little known fact? Mm-hmm. Like people don't already know this? Yeah, something something that not too many people already know. Um, is it okay if it's fun? It's just not professional. It could be like, anything you want. I... <laughs> I eat ice like it's like I eat like a bowl of ice like I just just give me ice all day and I'll just eat a bowl of ice I know that's so weird but that's oh, it's not weird I know that. I well just to, to me it's not weird <laughs> uh, <laughs> to me it's not weird one because my dog and I'm not comparing your dog at all I'm just saying my dog loves <laughs> ice he literally takes his paw and taps on the side of the the freezer so that we know hi oh, wow. I, I, want, I want some ice, ice. he yeah. he can eat ice all day so yeah, it's I don't and, think that's weird at all. And one more thing, I I love cartoons. Honestly, I believe it or not, I get inspired by cartoons. Look up to awesome. my fashion shows and be like, 
yeah, this is inspired by Disney. You wouldn't have any idea, but love it. that's my inspiration. I love <laughs> when I walk inspired to watch some Disney, I'm like, okay, You let's always do have on these glamorous gowns, so that makes I sense. Know. That makes sense. I get it. I see it. I see it. I get it. Yeah. Okay. Um, next question. Name one of the most worthwhile investments you've ever made. You know, that could be money, time, energy. You know what? Investing in myself. Perfect. It is the greatest investment I've ever made in my life, investing in myself. I love to hear that because a lot of the, um, I'm going to say a lot of the new clients that come to me and a lot of the prospects that I do discovery calls with, um, it seems for some reason women in the Black community don't have as large of an understanding of investing in self as I've seen in a lot of the other cultures that um, I interact with. So Mm. the fact that that's the first thing you said, I love that because we need to understand that we should constantly be working on ourselves and investing in ourselves and personal development and self-care and self-love. It is huge in how we interact with each other and how we perform and the results that we get in life. Absolutely. Someone called me on set the other day. They were like, here comes Stacey, the queen of personal development. I'm like, that's right. That mm-hmm. is right. Own that it. is absolutely right. Own it, of course. <laughs> own it. Own it. <laughs> always working on myself. Always. You own to. it. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, I think in the, I think it's the seven, seven levels of, of uh, oh goodness, no, I'm having a, a blank moment. But um, the top level is self-mastery. Um, oh. Yeah, it's like, it's like the levels of evolution or whatever you call it. Um, okay, like self evolution or something. Or yeah, like evolution like in general. Self self mastery is the 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 top one that you should be aiming for. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, the 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 name will come to me because um, I actually <laughs> studied it, but right now it's yeah, it's not there. But yeah, we should definitely be investing in self. I love that. And let's see what I have next. Name a book that has changed and greatly impacted your life. Um. There are many books, but um, I read this book a few years ago. Someone recommended it to me probably like eight or ten years ago, so that's more than a few years. It's called A Purpose Driven Life. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning stages of the book, it talked about how God definitely chose you, and you have to think that you won. You're like the first one to get to the egg. You're a winner already. And I was just like, Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. And this was like way before my entrepreneurial journey started. So it really, it really changed my outlook. And I started looking at myself as a winner. Of course, I had days when I doubt myself, mm-hmm. but I'll always remember that book. And I'll always remember that chapter. And it definitely talks about being a winner from birth, like before birth, you're a winner. Yeah, you were. Yes, yeah. I agree. Um, I used to have a saying that I used to say all the time on my Instagram, that you were born royal. You know, mm-hmm. it's... Uh, I look at it from um, a biblical spiritual standpoint. Um, So anyone who isn't may not necessarily get it, but if, you know, we're part of a kingdom and we're God's children, then we were born Royal. Right. So we should act as such and we deserve to be treated as such. Um, Absolutely. I agree. So my final question to you is what have you become better at saying no to in the last five years? My time, mm. my time, no, no, Okay. because I have to, 
self-care is so important and you know the startup of being an entrepreneur you have to be everywhere you feel like you can't know i gotta get myself out there i gotta be at this event i gotta i gotta get my name out there i gotta say yes to you i gotta say yes and no Mm -hmm. no like my time is so important and it's so valuable and if i feel like i'm overextending myself or i'm draining myself i'm definitely gonna say no and me being busy if i'm sitting at home watching disney cartoons and eating a bowl of ice i am busy yeah, that that's right. That's time. your self care. That's your exactly. yeah. That's your yeah. Time. So and and that's something that I had to learn because I didn't master that at all. I was always yes, 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 yes. Oh my God, you want me here? Yes, yes. I am definitely. I have to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Like at the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey, like I felt like because I was coming from being you know so introverted and not knowing anything or anyone that I in order to build uh, my network and my connections that I needed to be everywhere. And I Mm -hmm. overextended myself going to events and trying to be at all these places. And I, not only did I get exhausted, but that was time I was spending away from my family. And the last, the last two years I've gotten extremely well at saying no, no, with zero explanation. And without feeling guilty or anything like that. No, the answer is no. Yeah. 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 Like I, I, there's so many things that I would like to be at, but I no longer feel obligated to. Yeah. You know, there's there's all kinds of wonderful, uh, wonderful events happening and all kinds of, you know, people celebrating stuff. And I'll, I'll, I can celebrate you from from here. You know, I'm very proud Absolutely. of people and all their accomplishments, but it's impossible to be at everything. And I I personally don't have the energy to be at everything. I would rather be home with my family. Exactly, because that's so important. And I, Sundays I dedicated to my dad. I go mm. to the house and he makes me breakfast and makes me dinner. And I'm like, thank you. That's you know, Saturdays I'm cleaning my house, so it's just like I I really have to I had to learn to say no. And at first I felt so guilty, but I was like, no, why am I feeling guilty for taking care of myself? Exactly. I'm exhausted. I'm tired, and I'm still pushing myself. So, yeah. Well, Stacey Ann, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us. I want to thank you for sharing your wisdom and your mental health advocacy advocacy work and your philanthropy work and just being an amazing, amazing, amazing woman. And I'm honored to call you a friend. And (laughs) thank you. you. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on your show and congratulations on always putting your best foot forward and stepping out of the box and nobody can box Makini in. That's what I love. Like, <laughs> nope, no claustrophobic. Box, I don't like boxes. <laughs> you're always like rising, rising and you, when it's like, okay, you're, you're running for candidate, you're doing this. So like, I don't know how you do it, but you're superwoman and I'm so proud of you too. And I'm, and I'm honored to call you friend. And I'm just, I, I just love everything that you're doing. Absolutely love everything you're thank doing. You. So thank you. Congratulations on this great show. And yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate you. And to all of those <laughs> that are, are listening, until next time, download the Awaka My Stilettos app where you can listen to the podcast there. We're also available on all your favorite podcast stations. Subscribe to our newsletter at awakamystilettos.com. Leave us a review, share it with a friend, and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos. And manner worthy of your calling.